Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yeah, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? Nothing much. Ready to head out of the Midwest and back to the South because this weather, man, we've been getting like back to back like snowstorms. Mm, it's snowing out there right now? Uh, well, it, it has stopped, but it did last night. Last week, we got like 10 inches and then mm. a few days later, we got like four and it's it's too much. It's too much. That's a lot of snow. Yeah, we posted we getting snow here tonight. Um, everybody's been preparing for it. They were shutting down schools and stuff yesterday. And, um, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I, I love the South for that reason. But then when I think about like, I, I want a job in the South, but some of the best jobs are actually in weather, uh, in climates and, and regions that get a lot of snow and really <laughs> cold. So it's just like, what am I gonna do this fall time? Probably, I don't know. I guess if you think about it, those schools are probably great because they be staying indoors all the time doing their research. Right. Out the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we trying to go outside. In the South, people going on walks and runs yeah. and hikes. And, yeah. People enjoy that weather. So in, in the cold, you're like, well, might as well do some work since I'm inside. Maybe <laughs> so. But yeah, that's, that's my dilemma coming up. What am I mm-hmm. going to do? Yeah, them cold weather places, man. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I guess you figure out, but you know, you got some time. Yeah. Got some time. What's um, been going on with you? Nothing. About starting classes this week. Ooh, so, exciting. Oh, yeah. Wish me luck. You know, spring semester starting up. My break is over. Now I can get back to work. <laughs> I can't complain, though. You know, I had a whole month off. So, right. It's been good. It's been good. It's been good. Yeah, I, I can say I did some relax and I, I am really proud of myself because over the last two weeks, I've been easing back into work. So like this week, I actually conducted two interviews, although or last oh, nice. week I conducted two interviews and I was still in Illinois. And it's kind of like, you know, getting back in the field this week, actually in the South, you know, I'll hit the ground running even harder. But, you know, I feel proud of myself doing a little work on the break. Yeah, doing a little work is good. I, I didn't do too much. I just had to do. I mean, like make my syllabi and stuff like that. Um, but but I, I do feel refreshed. <laughs> I do feel refreshed already to get back to work and my mind is relaxed, you know, re-energized. So that's good. 2019, let's go. 2019, let's go. You know what? I'm already starting to realize that this year is going to pass by so much faster than we expected. It's already, you know, late January. Almost February already. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And we can get back to our regularly scheduled program and we can also celebrate my 33rd birthday. Uh Uh-oh. The big three three. The big three three. (laughs) All right. We got some old Lord news? We do. All right. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to BHD News where we give you the most current and eye-opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say.
Okay. Speaking of, you know, kind of businesses being closed down, closed down, of course, you know, we celebrate it or uh, celebrate every year Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Mm-hmm, correct. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, well, yep. one Mississippi government felt that, you know, he they couldn't give MLK his day alone. The Mississippi government faced backlash because the Department of Revenue tweeted a picture, uh, like a FYI, we're closed on January 21st picture. And listen to why they said they were closed. We're closing in honor of General Robert E. Lee's birthday and Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, my God. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) Robert E. Lee does not have a federal holiday. Uh, He's not recognized. But you see how they just just slick with it. Yeah, look at them trying to throw another white man in the mix, man. <laughs> and of all people, this, you know, Confederate hero mm-hmm. in the they South. They trying to be slick. That's what I was saying, that the, the irony, right? The contradictions of having both of them together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably and how they, they put them. Robert E. Lee first, too. That's what's crazy. Yeah, probably because a lot of their constituents be like, well, we got to celebrate Martin Luther King. Yeah. So they're trying to be like, all right, let's throw Robert E. Lee in there and make y'all happy. Right. Silly man. Did you ever see that um, news? It was like a, a a news report. They were speaking to someone. I don't know what they were protesting. It was an older white man. I'm not sure exactly what he was protesting. Um, but they asked him something, uh, and it, it somehow the topic got on Martin Luther King. And instead of saying Martin Luther King, he accidentally said Martin Luther King. <laughs> Oh my goodness. On the news thing. And he like, oh my, he was like, oh my God, did I just say that? But it's kind of like, you were just saying that you weren't racist, how you were, you know, only fighting for whatever he was protesting for, you know, for these non-racial reasons. And then it says Martin Luther King. Oh my, what a, what a Freudian slip, huh, is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so people, you know, some people in the South are really, uh, bothered by celebrating Martin Luther King. Yeah, he probably was out there like texting his friends or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Joking, saying Martin Luther King. He, he probably just recently said it. Yeah. And it was on his head and it he was, messed up and said it on camera. That's mm, what you get. On the tip of his tongue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that, that ain't like nothing that just comes out like by accident. Like It's really not. The word coon. <laughs> like that's not like a common word. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really not. Mm-mm. Okay, so this next story is out of Kansas City, a uh, a school in a wealthy suburb with a top rated dance team um, is being sued because one black student dancer on, you know, this dance team was told that she could no longer dance on the team because her skin was too dark and would distract the audience from other dancers. Like, come on, man. Like, I seen this story and I thought this was ridiculous. There was a lot of like uh, people upset about that as they should be. Yes, it's so ridiculous. And, you know, it went beyond just kind of those comments. Um, They started to ostracize the girl because, you know, first of all, if you're going to talk crazy about people, don't let 
people borrow your phone where they can see. So for whatever reason, you know, one of the coaches like gave the girls uh, the cell, her cell phone for to play music. And I guess the girls started going in the cell phone, but they saw text messages where they were actually upset that the this black girl had got earned a spot on a college team. Um, and so they were like, that doesn't make any sense. It hurts my stomach. She's black. I hate that. And although the, the school and the district said that this coach was fired, the, the coach was still seen at a lot of the practices and there was supposed to be an end of the year banquet. They supposedly canceled the banquet and the two girl, the two black girls that were on a team, you know, it was told that it was canceled. But then the team ended up scheduling a dinner on the same night oh my that the banquet was canceled and that fired coach was actually there. So hopefully she has a case and, you know, they can pay that college tuition since they want to be like that. No, but that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like. They, they intentionally being racist. Um, and you can't do nothing. A girl's skin color using that as a way to say it's going to overshadow. Probably just because a girl's a better dancer than, than them other girls. Actually, that's what I was thinking. She was probably an amazing dancer. And, you know, maybe her beautiful, melanated skin just kind of like, you know, made it even more, like, just stand out. And, like, maybe she was just standing out because she's that good and she's beautiful. Cause I saw her picture and she is very attractive. Mm -hmm. So I think they were just hating. That's all it was. That's all it boils down to. Oh man. Feel bad for her, but I'm sure she will, um, something will come good out of this for her in the long run. Yes. Some opportunities or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, so I gave a story last week about a guy uh, losing his son because the birth mother had not told him, you know, that the child was being adopted and he got the son back. Well, there's another story and, you know, they, people were discussing it on a message board and it had kind of a different tone to say, like, maybe the father shouldn't get the child back. And I wanted to get your opinion. So an Alaska man. Uh, was raising four of his children uh, when he, you know, got another woman pregnant. He didn't actually know, you know, at the immediate time that the, the lady was giving birth. He didn't know. He found out like four months after the fact. But uh, the mother, you know, could not raise the child and the child went into foster care um, with a married uh, black couple um, who have raised the child now for about four years. Well, when the, the father found out about it, he did try to get visitation rights. But at the same time, he was accused of sexual assault and was imprisoned for three years while waiting for his trial. He lost his four other kids, his house, his job and all of that. Well, he was when he was acquitted of the charges, he then found out that they had terminated his rights um, to this other child. And he has since gotten three others back. But now it's a fight with these adoptive parents who feel like they should keep the child. But the Supreme Court in Alaska actually said that it was a violation of his rights to terminate his parental rights. But the issue is, although the termination has been over, you know, overthrown or withdrew, the adoptive 
the adoption order has not. And that's the court battle. Now, the issue at hand is that the child is autistic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for some autistic children, like routine and stability is really important. So there's been a debate on whether the father should truly get the child back. What, What are your thoughts? Um, man, that's a, that's a whole lot of mess going on right there. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to unpack, but I think one thing I always think about, like what's best for the child, you mm-hmm. know, that's, I think should be first and foremost. The fact that all the child knows is the adoptive parents. I understand the dad wanting to get the child back. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I think maybe there should be, if, because if he was acquitted and he got his other children back, then I think, you know, understandably so, he wants to have a relationship with that child. I think that should be allowed in some capacity, you know. Um, but I don't know how it would be. I'm just thinking of the child. I don't know how it would be. Okay, you up skipping, now you leave. Now you're not only with this new man, you're with all these other kids who you don't know, and you're autistic. That's a lot of change, you know. Um and that could be really detrimental for the child for a while. And so I don't know. It gets tricky, man. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are arguing. And I just so I'm thinking about like if I was a parent, of course, I would fight for my child, too. And a lot of people are like, if he really loved him, he would let him stay. But when it comes to black fathers, a lot of people also say, if you really love them, you would fight for them. So it's kind of yeah. like a, a double edge Sword. It's kind of like if he wasn't fighting, would people be calling him a deadbeat? But he's fighting, and people are calling him selfish. I, I don't know. That's yeah, and and he didn't know about the kid until late, you know. So it's not like he was trying to be a deadbeat or just was being negligent. Um, so once he found out, he wants to be back in his kid's life. But these moves are these legal moves of adoption already was made. And of course, to adopt the family, that takes a long process. And they probably were excited to get the baby and been raising the baby for four years. And now it's getting taken away from them, potentially. That's, that's a whole that's a whole lot of mess. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, and I want to say, like, because part of this story, um, the lawyer fighting on behalf of the adoptive couple, you know, is saying like this will have a chilling effect on like people being foster families if you can just you know come in and do that and I do want to say that you know being a foster family is different from being an adoptive family foster families sometimes do adopt children but when you foster a child I feel like you foster it with the understanding that the child might not be with you forever. Um, And so I would hope it wouldn't stop people from fostering children unless they're only fostering with the hope that like they're going to get children that they, you know, could adopt. Um, But it's a, it's a tough situation. I hope they can work it out. You know, I can't, I can't 100% say, you know, that I, you know, hope that, I I don't know. Maybe there's something that can be mutual, but I don't I don't think it's right that parents rights can be trampled on because it's kind of like that just opens the door. So an intention to potentially open a door to people not want to foster that potentially opens the door to people doing like backdoor, more backdoor adoptions and then saying, well, oh, the child has been with us for this long. So you might as well keep it, even though the process wasn't right to begin with. So I feel like something has to be done on both ends because I, I don't feel like it's right that you can do things like inappropriately and still get rewarded for it. Yeah, I and think uh, more of the agencies and less of the people. If the yeah, people that make, that make, that make a mess. They gotta dot the eyes. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think legally, um, 
Now that you say that, I think legally the precedent should be set that it, the parental's rights should always be first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, yeah, because if you set the precedent where his parental rights, you know, get overlooked or not, they don't care about it. And it's now whatever the the, the agency says or the adoption paperwork says, mm-hmm. that could be a scary thing, you know, and all these other cases, if that happens um, and the people can never get the rights to their children because, oh, these other people signed the papers, Um so I think the court should hold true to at least saying, OK, we hold, uh, you know, parental rights as a priority in these cases. Yeah. And then we'll look at that case first. And he has a legitimate case. He didn't know about the kid and all that other kind of stuff. So he should still have his parental rights. Yeah. And I do. I do hope both, you know, the father and the adoptive parents can have a strong relationship with the child uh, because, you know, clearly they are, you know, Filling in a gap that was there while the while the father was, you know, waiting uh, for his case to be heard, which is a, you know, tragedy in itself that you have to wait three years um, just to be acquitted. But, you you know, sit in jail during that time. Um, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't want the father to be like, oh, you don't matter anymore. Because it, it just like, what if that was my child? Hell yeah, I'll fight too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't be wrong. You're right. The more the support and more love, the better for the child. If they yeah. can all, you know, work together. Yes, yes. Okay, that that was less, oh, Lord, but it was just kind of a follow-up because it, it, I feel like it, that kind of complicated the story from last week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any any news stories from you? Yeah, I got a, um, a couple of interesting stories. One, um, I'll just quickly address. I'm sure many of you have heard um, with the Laquan McDonald case, the police officer, ex-police officer Jason Van Dyke has been sentenced to six years and nine months for the 2014 killing of the black teenager Laquan McDonald, mm-hmm. um, which is very significant because according to the Chicago Tribune, um, this was the first time in the city's history that a police officer has faced criminal charges stemming from an on-duty shooting. Oh, wow. Um, so we know these things are rare. We know that it's rare that even, you know, they go to court and we know it's even more rare that they get convicted. And so with this time, it actually all went through and this person is serving time for the unlawful killing of this black teenager. So hopefully that sets a precedent and it sends a statement to these other police officers that, hey, times are changing. Now y'all will serve time, you know. For mm-hmm. these kind of things. Hopefully that bodes well for Amy Geiger, who was off duty. Hopefully oh, she Yeah, that that no excuses there that she should definitely be <laughs> serving time. Um so so yeah, so just you know, shout out to that to the to the justice system actually giving us justice yes. for once. And hopefully we continue to see hopefully we don't see any more of these unlawful killings. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they happen, we do want to see justice like this be served for the families and for everyone. Yeah. I mean, so people always want to say, or some people always want to say, oh, you guys are rioting and protesting and stuff like that. Not when justice is served. You Mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Not when justice is served. Like if everybody had an equal chance, you know, when they're facing, when they're defending or, you know, facing criminal charges. And if, you know, justice or punishment was doled out equally, you would not see people upset in the streets. And, you know, shout, you know, shout out to them getting it right. Getting it right. Um, a couple other stories. Um, 
you know, all these are kind of not, you know, sad stories, nothing uplifting, but I should share these things so everybody can be aware because that's part of what we would like to accomplish here at BHD. Um, one story came out a few days ago, which maybe you've heard or maybe you haven't, some people have, um, is that um, the junk food ads, this, this article came out on, what is it, NBC News, and it's been spreading everywhere else. Uh, but apparently researchers study, like, uh, food deserts and stuff like that and have been looking at, um, you know, the uh, advertisements, TV mm. advertisements, et cetera, of, like, fast food chains and junk food ads. And what they found is that junk food ads dis- disproportionately target Black and Hispanic teenagers, the study finds, more than others. Mm. Um, it's alarming. And one of the, the most alarming statistics or things they talk about, it says that <clears throat> from 2013 to 2017, spending on TV advertising for restaurants, food beverages and uh, food and beverages decreased by 4% overall. Mm-hmm. However, the researchers found while spending for programs directed at black teens increased by 50%. Wow. Right, from 217 million to 333 million, um, which is says a lot. You know, overall, the spending goes down. But in this one area to this one particular demographic, you increase your spending 50 percent, uh, which is alarming in a lot of ways. Even like McDonald's and other fast food chains putting more um, Spanish advertisements and stuff like that on the ads to get to the Hispanic population as well. And in those same areas, hardly ever see uh, like advertisements for like fruits and vegetables and healthy juices and all this other kind of stuff, which you may see in more affluent areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, I feel like that's a major issue for us because, you know, there are a lot of um, African-American and Latino people living in food deserts already. Mm-hmm. And you're advertising, you know, kind of the worst type of like process products and foods to a population, you know, who, you know, already has like higher rates of, you know, heart disease and like, you know, issues such as like diabetes. Um, and I feel like that probably plays into it. We, we know that we are, advertisements are suggestive, um, that we, you know, buy into them. And I, I think that's unfortunate. And when advertisers are targeting us for not so great things, that means we should start looking the other way. Like, mm-hmm. what are they advertising to more fluent populations? And, you know, maybe that's the way we should be going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not right. Um, and, you know, we said this term, I said it, Daphne just said the term food deserts. And the government defines food deserts as an area where 33 percent of the city's residents live more than a mile away from a supermarket and 20% of them have salaries below the poverty line. So if you meet both those criteria, you will be considered, or you know, the government defines your community as a food desert. And so a lot of these advertisers, these junk food advertisers, fast food advertisers have upped their advertisement dollars in these food desert areas. Um, so it's done with intent. intent. Uh, and like like Daphne said, it leads to a lot of other health issues. Most of these food places like Taco Bell, McDonald's have really cheap food. So if you're already living below the poverty line, um, then getting, you know, you know, five burgers for five dollars and you have a couple of kids, you know, that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. And so you got to we got to be careful here. And it's you know, it's really I don't know, man, sometimes when you think about. Things like dealing with the criminal justice system, they were like violence in the communities, poverty communities. And then you see things like this. It's like 
systemically, institutionally, there's so many things just attacking people of color, you know, from health wise to criminal justice system wise <laughs> to law, like everything. It's like, man, like it's so much to overcome, but we got to keep fighting. But it gets really frustrating, you know? It does. Like you said, if, if you're not caught by one system, they're going to get you in a, another. And that's why, you know, like I said, the, the goal for 2019 is consistency. You know, I feel like the last, what, three weeks of the year, I've done a good job with just trying to like small, small habits and like especially getting away from processed foods. The mm-hmm. the year that I moved to California, I don't know if you remember that I lived in California like for three or four weeks and where mm-hmm. I lived, there were only things like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. So I didn't even, you know, there weren't even like a lot of like fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to walk and bike everywhere. And when I tell you, I was skinny mini and I wasn't even <laughs> trying to lose the weight, but it fell off because I wasn't eating processed foods. Uh, when I wanted to go to the grocery store, you know, I was walking there and like carrying, you know, what I could cook over the next few days and it was it was a really different experience and I wish I could get back into that lifestyle because I was the healthiest I had ever been in my life and it happened over a three-month period just living in a place where I was surrounded by healthy grocery stores and I was required to be a little bit more active. Mm-hmm. You know that's something that when you said that I was thinking about I was like yeah when I first moved to where I live now that's one of the frustrations I had initially. It was like, yo, there's like no fast food places around. <laughs> like, it's like not a quick McDonald's or Burger King. You know, you want something quick. Like it's not nothing yeah. like close where you just want to leave the house. But you're right. We do have a lot more of those healthier food options and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, makes you healthier in the long run. Just not even having access to it. Those that kind of stuff not being close by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's good. That's yeah. That's a good point. Hopefully we can build more, you know, areas like that where it's mixed race, mixed income, you know, and so that everybody has access to the best of the best. Yes. Yes. We need to see uh, more of that. Um, so, yeah. So everybody pay attention to that. Start paying attention, especially, you know, that uh, we just made you aware to this. And I'm going to start looking at it, too. Like when you're watching search, certain local programmings, see what kind of commercials are like coming up frequently, right? And what are they targeting? What are they saying to you? You're going to see a lot of McDonald's, Burger King. You're going to see a lot of like Whole Foods, healthiness, lifestyle changes, yoga, like start paying attention to that. I'm going to see, I'm going to start doing that too and see what I see. Mm-hmm. You actually, you remember McDonald's had that uh, commercial, it was either McDonald's or Burger King where they had Mary J. Blige singing about chicken. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And just look at how they do it. They be trying to put a little soul in those commercials to catch you, to hook mm-hmm. you. Don't fall for it. Yeah, don't fall for it. You know, I never I never knew the push a T um did I think he's the one that did the jingle for McDonald's. Something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was something like he didn't he just took a check and he didn't get the rights to it. Mm. Um, he didn't know it was going to be as big or something like that. And so I think he did a couple other jingles. I think he did like the Arby's, produced the Arby's jingle as well. Um, and and then he got, you know, the rights and royalties, whatever for that. Well, he learned. Yeah, he learned. So like, <laughs> but I know he's seen that McDonald's money going, but like, dang, I should have. Yeah, with anything with McDonald's, I'd be like, give me the rights. I'm too, <laughs> right. too big. Right. Um. Another quick story, too, that I had, um, we all know that this government shutdown has been going on for quite some time and don't really know when it's going to end. And it's been affecting a lot of people's lives. And many of you talking about government workers, 
per se, TSA workers and others and the like that have been affected by the shutdown. Well, the shutdown is now spilling over to non-workers. Um, essentially, in this article that I found a couple of days ago came out in NPR and the Huffington Post, it's talking about thousands face threat of eviction after HUD, uh, you know, housing and urban development contracts expired due to shutdown. Essentially, what's happening here is that a lot of people who are on Section 8 housing, uh, of course, their their rents are subsidized, meaning the government pays a portion of their rent to their landlords. Well, now that the government is shut down, the landlords are not getting that government portion if contracts have expired, et cetera. So now many tenants, many landlords are asking the tenants to pay the full price of rent, naturally, which they can't afford or they will be evicted. So now many people who already have a lot of financial struggles have increased stress and pressures of trying to pay the rent or potentially being homeless. So this is another blowback and consequence of what we're seeing due to this government shutdown and the lives that are being affected. You know, I hadn't actually even thought of that being an issue. I know they were uh, the the food stamp thing. You know, they gave February benefits early and they're not sure about future months. But I had not thought about the fact that like people are potentially about to lose their housing because you know, government pays for it and they haven't allocated the funding for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, part of this article, they said too, like the government is pretty much saying, telling landlords to dip into their emergency funds to take over the rent or pay the the difference until, you know, the government opens back up and things are back in order and they'll get their money back. Uh, but that's even, I'm thinking like, okay, if I was a landlord, because we had this conversation before with Kendra and the like, mm-hmm. you know, do you have the funds? You know, how many properties do you have? Is that possible? That's a, that's a big financial stretch to cover, you know, depending on how many tenants you have that are on section eight in your, in your, in your, in your buildings, like to cover that difference. Yes. Too. <laughs> yes. And I, I was actually yeah, just thinking about the conversation with Kendra and how a lot of uh, landlords actually go to, you know, go to section eight because one, they above, pay above market rate mm-hmm. and it's such a reliable check. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you you can have a lot of properties, but your money might be tied up into something else. And just looking at the domino effect, this could, you know, could put put somebody in like foreclosure or like, you know, default or something like on their loan if they don't have the funds to cover multiple properties. I hope if you have a business, you do have some reserve. Mm-hmm. But Trump said uh, he let it go on for years. So, <laughs> oh, man, this guy, he, yeah. Oh, I can't even think about it. Um, and one one thing I do want to make clear to the listeners, um, because, you know, some people might not be reading a lot or know a lot about why this shutdown is continuing. Before December 22nd, everybody had agreed to, you know, a particular bill uh, that it, I think it included some funding for the border wall. But... It, it passed the House, it passed the Senate, but Rush Limbaugh and um, Ann Coulter kind of uh, started giving Trump a hard time about, you know, him coming up with a compromise. And then he decided, oh, you're not going to kind of like bust my chops. You're not going to like call me out. I'm going to show you how strong I am. Um, And even at the time, Republicans were like, this is more about the 2020 election. This isn't about 
border security. Mm -hmm. Since then, Republicans have changed their stance. And, you know, since the Democrats have taken over the House, they have passed multiple bills that would reopen the government. But the Senate, the Republican-led Senate, has refused to even bring a vote on these bills. One, this is Mitch McConnell that's not bringing the vote because the Republican senators, they really will vote for it. And these are veto proof bills. And so Mitch McConnell refuses to bring a vote Mm. because, you know, they don't want this veto proof bill to go through. So I can't even say it's all Republican senators because a lot of them are up for reelection and their constituents are pissed. Mm -hmm. But Mitch McConnell is like holding these bills hostage and refuse to. So You know, everybody should compromise, but you should really understand that, like, the government could be open right now if the Republican-led Senate would just vote. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to reiterate, too, or talk about the narrative that's being spun, too, about uh, not caring, Democrats not caring about the border security, Um, you know, pretty much Democrats are saying, like, listen, we are not putting funds towards a wall, but they do all, they do want to compromise and also help increase border security. They are on board for some measures as far as putting things that can, that can detect certain drugs or can, or can screen, you know, um, bags and cars and stuff like that, like kind of increasing the technology to help those who are doing border security, uh, do a little bit more effective, effectively and efficiently. Um, so this whole thing that Democrats don't care about border control or border security is false. They do, but they just don't want to put money towards a, ball, a wall, which most people do not. Uh, even like I said, Trump said that Americans would not pay for this wall and he's trying to get us to pay for the wall. So Democrats are holding strong on that. And many Republicans too do not want to pay for this wall, but they do want to put other measures in to increase security. So just be careful as far as what you're listening, as far as who's saying they want, do and do want. Most, both parties would like to increase security in, uh, along the border some in some way. And mind you, uh, Republicans that are not named Trump, most of them think that this border wall is ridiculous too. Yeah. Yeah, it's not actually it's not going to cover all of the border. It's not even going to keep people out. You know what I'm saying? There was a campaign for ladders like all you need is a ladder. (laughs) So it's just kind of like we should if we're going to spend money, you can't say you're a fiscal conservative and you want to waste money on solutions that aren't going to work. You know what I'm saying? Be that fiscal conservative and say that this does not make sense. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need more conservatives to come out and and, um, stand up to this overall. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. order to make some changes, so. But yeah, oh, it's it's so sad that this is you know continuing to bleed over. You know, I just renewed my passport. Although they're not, uh, the fees help cover you know passport operation. But I I'm pretty sure that they also receive some like federal funding. So y'all, if y'all got a passport that's expiring soon, you know, I wouldn't take the chance. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Just go ahead and renew it because you just you don't know, especially if this did go on for years. And be careful for those of you flying and TSA and all that stuff. I seen an article the other day, a woman got a gun through her carry on from like, oh, yeah. from like here to like somewhere in Asia. Or something oh, like Japan. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's oh, crazy. I heard TSA Asians like been bumping like rap music and kind of, like just bumping it. Like, you know, not, I want to say they don't care, but it's just kind of like I, if I'm going to be here and not get paid, I guess I'm enjoying my time. 
Yeah, yeah, my brother, he just came up from Miami and he was just like, bro, the the lines again do TSA for he was like it was the quickest and kind of just like most leisure experience he's ever had at an airport. Um <laughs> that's cool, but it's also scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he was saying. He was like, you know, he wasn't complaining too much, but he was also thinking like, uh, okay, you know, I'm about to be on this plane now. I need to make sure everything's good, but so, so this is what, you know, again, the consequences of, of the government playing games with people and mm-hmm. their money. I saw a meme that said the government better start paying TSA before the cartels do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> if you were in charge of cartels, this would be prime time to get that real estate through, man. Oh, gosh. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially all these real TSA agents looking for some extra cash. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you slip them a little something, say, hey, hey just let this go through. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any more stories, but like people, when it comes to TSA and flying, people are starting to be worried about whether they will make it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of conversations about the Super Bowl that has been happening too. Yeah, and that's what I was like. If we can have a conversation about like all the the recent developments, you know, related to the Super Bowl, especially the halftime show, um, and I guess the Star Spangled Banner. Did you hear who's singing? Um. Uh. uh what's her name? Um. Who is it? What's her name? I'm uh, leaving on the midnight train. The drive. <laughs> yeah. Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight, Gladys yeah. Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, I just knew her now. I forgot it. I quit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not only that, of course, you know, like everybody who's been protesting the Super Bowl, um, you know, she, you know, received some comments and, you know, a little bit of backlash. And, you know, she kind of came out and was like, yo, I'm going to do this. Like, we should be able to separate, I guess, the song. Like, you can protest without, like, protesting, you know, the national anthem. And she, mm-hmm. you know, she made comments that, you know, made a lot of people say, like, oh, she's kind of criticizing uh, Colin Kaepernick and his approach to protesting. Yeah, lots of, a lot of her comments are pretty much like, yo, I've been doing this for a long, long time, you know, and in way worse situations. And so, you know, she pretty much telling everybody, you know, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) I've been in this game for a minute. Um, But yeah, it sparks a lot of of controversy around that. These performances going on. And I guess she done made enough money to where if she end up like Chris at Michelle... Like, or she won't end up like Chris and Michelle. Because they there was actually just a Washington Post article that uh, was highlighting how over the past two years, Chris and Michelle's career had just nosedived. And the, in the article, they showed a picture of like some D.C. or Philadelphia auditorium that she had packed just a couple years before. And when they showed the picture, that was probably like maybe 30 or 40 people. It was like a 1,500 seat Mm, auditorium. And that picture was sad. And, you know, you know, she ended up saying like, you know, I've come to the point where I realized that my fans can expect more of me. You know, it's okay to expect more of me because, you know, she when she was about to perform for Trump or she did, um, there was a lot of backlash. And she's like, you know, whatever. You know, she had a very like nonchalant, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to tell me what to do attitude. And was like, we gonna show you. And now, you know, she can't even get 100 people in an auditorium to like listen to her. And now she's like, OK, I guess I can you know, y'all can't expect more of me. I should have listened. Even her husband and manager told her not to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but again, sometimes, you know, you're making that money, you popping a little bit, you're like, oh, I'm going to have my fans regardless. Like, <laughs> okay, go ahead. You go on that stage. And now you got 30 people sitting in a 1,500-people theater looking Ooh, sad. Looking you know, sad. I, I, I hope uh, she gave them a good show. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, they still paid their money. <laughs> yes. I would have just canceled it. I've been too embarrassed. But <laughs> I, I just want to say this has been when I found out who else because we already knew Travis Scott was performing we've known that since December mm-hmm. but I recently found out that none other than Big Boy is also performing in the halftime show Big Boy mm-hmm. from Outcast. yeah I don't know what, how you feel about that um you know this whole I'm a, this whole the uh, performing at the halftime of the Super Bowl thing um, on one end I see why everyone is like don't do it if you're a black artist um, but I also feel and I hope Big Boy does this I'm not sure about Travis Scott but I hope you, if you're going to do it make a stand make the NFL uncomfortable you know what I mean like dang we shouldn't have let them get on the stage because they just completely you know took over and put out a message that we didn't want or we don't support. Um, and so I'm just kind of waiting to see. I don't think Travis Scott, I know he received a lot of backlash. And I mean, a lot of people in, the, in, the, in his own peer, like well, people like Jay-Z and others are telling him not to do it. I think he tried to compromise by having them donate to a charity. Although, I'm going to get into that charity in a minute. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and all this other kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I don't know. Big Boy, I, I have a little bit um, of high expectations for Big Boy. So I'm like, okay, maybe if he's going to do it, he's going to use that as a platform to make a stand and then make me feel better about it. But if he just goes up there and performs, I'm going to be a little disappointed. I'm just going to say Andre 3000 would never. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, you know, maybe he will. You know, I would just say I expect a little bit more. And I think artists, I think a lot of people are thinking about it like a strike and that these people are crossing the strike line. Okay, I see what you're saying. And it it seems like disrespect. Like, that's one thing I've always been. You do not cross that line. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, you know, when you have big name stars like Rihanna, that's turning it down. And, you know, Jay-Z and all of that. Cardi B. Yeah, it's kind of like. You know, you're you're crossing the strike line and you're saying like you are, you know, I, I don't I don't even know what Travis Scott sings. So I, I can't even say, you know, <laughs> he's with the Kardashians. So I, I'll be honest and say I don't expect more much from him. But I would say in regard to that charity, it's actually a van a van is connected to Van Jones, who's actually now all of a sudden mm. like very connected with the Kardashian clan. Mm. Um, but also I read an article that said that this has become the go to charity for the NFL to make these donations when they're trying to get good publicity or mm. when they're so it's kind of like, oh, you know, when we want to pay people not to protest, we donate to this dream core charity mm. so I want to look a little bit more into that because it's kind of like if this is just a way to funnel money into a Kardashian related charity oh, oh, it's kind of like mm, it's, bull, it's bull yeah, yeah and bull. It, like I said Van Jones has recently become like very um, you know working very closely with like the Kardashians and this is his charity 
Um, you know, I, I don't know, but that's just kind of like a if the NFL is only choosing this one is related to the family of the guy that's performing and wanting to make his image seem a little bit better to say like, yeah, I'm performing, but I got them to donate to this charity. It's just kind of like it, it doesn't seem on the up and up to me. So. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, I'm trying. I'm looking at it right now. I don't see. You know, it's called the Dream Corps charity. Yeah. Um, and so it works to close prison doors. So it's like a prison reform up there. Um, so I'm looking at. I mean, Van Jones is the lead face on there. I'm looking at the team. Okay. See, so yeah, I don't see any Kardashians on there. Um, but you're right. I mean, they do have some affiliations. Cam has been doing this whole prison reform kick. So, it, it, you know, I think there are some backdoor connections going on uh, with this for sure. That's an interesting point, especially that he chose that one. He is with a Kardashian. Van Jones is cool with the Kardashian. This is his initiative. Uh, and like I said, this charity has been used before in a pay to not protest manner. I think back in like 2016, I'll mm-hmm. link that article. So that's what has me like, you know, how did this become the go-to charity of oh, we'll throw some money at a issue so that people don't protest. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's exactly what they're trying to do. You know, it's definitely, if the NFL is doing it, they're more conservative. They they are trying to do something that just keeps them in the good light because they don't want any big backlash. But, uh, but you know, they're not going to do anything too radical or extreme. Um, so, yeah, now we've got to pay attention to this stuff. But, yeah, Travis Scott... Again, he's with the more kind of younger audience. His music, I don't know too much of it. I know his that last album, Astro World, did very well. Um, but yeah, it does. It makes sense why he's doing the the performance. You know, he's with he's with the Kardashians, man, and all them dudes get twisted up. Everybody that's with them and be doing silly things that don't be for the culture. Once you get with a Kardashian, so. So we'll see. How Absolutely. That is so <laughs> true. OK, the other issue is that uh, Travis Scott tried to make it put out like, I guess, I don't know, backdoor story or article that made it seem like uh, Callan Kaepernick approved of his performance and that they had reached this understanding or agreement that like, yeah, I'll perform. Um, and that also wasn't true. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so Colin Kaepernick made it clear because like I think page six or or some news station, they published one version that was like, oh, they reached an understanding about it. And then TMZ was like, you know, although it wasn't hostile, you know, there was no understanding. And Colin Kaepernick, although he didn't come out and say anything, he retweeted um, all of the, you know, tweets and articles that was like, yeah, Colin Kaepernick was not in support of this. And I guess Ebro uh, from from like one of the like popular uh, radio stations was like Colin Kaepernick wasn't with that BS and uh, Colin Kaepernick retweeted that. So it's just kind of like, you know, if you are okay with your performance, don't try to make it seem like other people are like stand on your own two feet. Don't try to pretend like everybody is supporting you. So Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he tried to use Kaepernick's name in there. Cap was like, nah, I ain't do it. I'm glad Kaepernick, you know, responded and said that he didn't do it. So he couldn't use that narrative to his advantage of like, oh, I'm down with the cause. Cap said, nah, I told you not to <laughs> do this or advise you against it. And you chose to do it anyway like everybody else. So now Travis Scott, it's going to be kind of interesting to see. Um, I know, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of his kids are younger. His audience is younger, so he probably won't 
maybe had not too much of an impact, but I think he's doing stuff on the island a little bit where people may not want to ca- collaborate with him as much or, you know, his peers and stuff like that are going to look at him a little differently, I'm sure. Because, like, bro, you're selling out. I was thinking the same thing. I think with his audience, um, it, it might not be as much of an issue. Because, like, you think about who Chrisette Michelle fans were, you know, the the millennials, not this Z. I don't, I don't even know if they have a name yet. But, you know, it was our generation who's definitely uh, more politically minded and, you know, at a point where it's like this is impacting our ability to, like, make money and thrive and so we are like a little bit I think more willing to put our money where our mouths are um but I'm not sure about this uh this new generation yeah yeah we have yet to see um and it's fun I'm still looking at this dream chord thing uh and this is interesting I see um it seems here that they get a lot of support and reviews this is like the 2016 finance report and they got like 5.9 million but like as far as expenses, it was five point three million. <laughs> and it's like most of it, like four point five of that goes to the program expenses and uh, almost half a million goes to support and only two hundred and twelve thousand goes to like fundraising. Um, so it was, uh, I'm very curious to see like where <laughs> where all this money is going, like why almost most of your money is going to programs. You know, people are giving you this money. Like, what are you doing with it? The fact that it doesn't seem like it's going back out into the community. Yeah, I guess I would wonder what the programs are. Are the programs community based? I guess that would be a good question. Yeah. If they are community based programs, if they are, you know, actually, That's doing the key. I, I can't I can't knock that. No, if it's going to the, if it's going to there, yeah, I don't know if it's, it doesn't have that difference is it whether it's like programming for there is there or like programming for communities. It's not saying, yeah, it's just this program. Um, <laughs> Look at you doing the research. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just looking at it, but yeah, Jay Z's all in this man, Rock Nation, all of them. Uh, have um, donated to the Van Jones thing. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I guess I, I do have a Kardashian bias. Anything that's connected to them, I don't trust it. Yeah, I just saw a recently picture of Kylie holding up her baby with her friend that's black. And all of them look like to be the same skin tone. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, what they call that black fishing, Kylie? Yeah, but they're like, oh, Kylie just is tan. I'm like, bruh, come on. She's just trying to be the same color as her baby. That's so. all. Yeah, it's funny. And you think about like, so, you know, people been doing those like, you know, 2008, 2018 photos. Yeah. On Facebook. Mm hmm. All over the place. Well, so it was funny because they actually did like, you know, a playful meme of Kylie and they show her like back in like 2008 or whenever it was when she looked (laughs) like. A, a a young white girl, and then you see the side by side of like 2018, and she has a completely oh, yeah. different face. Oh yeah, I think somebody who was it? Uh, it was a comedian, and somebody was like, you know, I see everybody doing these 10 year challenges except for the people that got all this plastic surgery. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like that is true, man. Like all the Kardashians and whoever else with all this massive plastic surgery, they they weren't really participating in that ten year challenge. Yeah, because then we'll we'll be able to uh, actually do the side by side. <laughs> like okay, but yeah, people been doing that with Kylie for a while. She got a lot of work, man. Um, a lot. I actually think is 
I don't know if they have like some type of dysmorphia thing where they feel like they look differently than they actually do. You can't get that much plastic surgery to your body, to your face, and it not be like when you look in the mirror, you're not seeing what everybody else sees. I don't know if I, I don't know. I, that would be a good question for somebody who maybe like studies people or because it's just like, why? Why are you doing all this to yourself? Um, and I just feel like also because like this generation that we're like this, like upticks at all these kind of surgeries, whether it's for like plastic surgeries or butt lifts or whatever, all these kind of things. I just feel like, yo, I just very interested to see how this is going to look when you're like 60 years old, you know, what I mean? <laughs> and your body's not like changing the way it should naturally because you got all this extra work done to it. I think a lot of people are going to be looking crazy, man. Like it's going it's to look crazy because your body just won't be able to like fold the way it needs to and morph to your new body or the changes, you know, of, of older age. Like, I don't know. It's going to look crazy, especially everybody with these big old booties, man. Yeah. And the thin legs uh, that, you know, they might have to get some of that stuff taken out. Going to have to yeah, like your, your legs. Like your knees are going to be able to carry all that extra weight anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. I've seen this um, MTV has True Life coming back on. And I think the first mm-hmm. couple, the first couple show. episodes, like the first episode was like, I want to be a Kardashian or something like this. So it was all these people doing all the surgeries to look like a Kardashian because um, they're so obsessed with them, which is pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say like, well, because I'll be honest. In the future, my body toe up after I have kids and I haven't, you know, I'm going to try to work out as much. You know, I might do like some small things, but like I am not trying to like I'm not getting anything added yeah. to my body. No, that, yeah, you know that's that? the stuff like, you know, I know people get like extra skin removals or things like that. Like, yeah, yeah, that stuff yeah, is like yeah. that's completely different than like <laughs> you put in like 30 pounds of, of some substance in your butt, you know, or. Yeah, that's what I would do. Like if I had extra like skin and stuff like that, I would do that. But I would just be too scared to put because some people, you know, long term, they develop autoimmune diseases because maybe like the silicone is like Mm. leaking or, uh, you know, I know like uh, I think breast cancer potentially has been linked to breast implants. And I think it's part because you're putting even if it's in like a sack there's no guarantee that they won't start leaking or whatever it is. And it's, that's, it's really dangerous. Yeah, man, I just feel like somebody, you might get hit the wrong way or, you know, just something. You might fall and that's all she wrote, man. And you putting your life in jeopardy for these enhancements. And, you know, I understand some people do it naturally or for some reasons, you know, I, the breast implants thing is like, I think we kind of moved past that. A lot of people do it, like people who have breast cancer or get the, you know, double mastectomies or whatever, you know, that stuff is okay, you know, or whatever. Even if it's like, you know, whatever, those I think aren't too bad, but they still have certain health risk. But now everybody Mm -hmm. like with this Instagram and and these models and the major transformations is getting a little bit too extreme, you know. And it sucks when you see a lot of these young girls trying to like, what I, what I think I'm noticing a lot is like a lot of them start to like work out and try to like beef because a lot of these like people like um, I can't think of her name, but there's one one model who has enhancements, uh, but she's like always in the gym. Right. Like as if she's worked for this mm-hmm. body and then a lot of young girls start working out to be like, oh, I can get this body like her. And then they don't get it. 
and they're like, oh, what's going on? And then they're like, yeah. well, well, I've tried. My heart is here. Now I got to get surgery because that's the only way that I can get it. And it's like, yo, these people need to start being honest and me start being like, listen, you cannot get this from working out. I paid for this. You know what I mean? Instead of just faking the funk. I, that's one of the things that bother me, that bothers me the most is yeah, people, you know, Instagram model and uh, Chloe Kardashian, not to get back on the Kardashians, but she's done that too. Like after she ended up getting like a lot of surgery, she had like this photo shoot, you know, where, you know, she's in the gym and, you know, you know, flexing one of her arm. And it's like, now I'm not going to say she didn't work out at all, but it's kind of like, that didn't all come from working out and you're setting unrealistic expectations about what can be achieved in the gym. And like you said, I don't, I also don't like women who are natural, who are doing it the right way, like comparing themselves to people who have undergone plastic surgery to get a perfect body. It's just kind of like, don't, don't set the expectation that you have to look like that when that isn't even natural. Exactly. But I'm not going to hate on them, but it's just like, like you said, be honest. Don't make it seem like you went to the gym. Yes, that's the thing. Stop acting like it's natural. (laughs) If it's not natural, it's not natural. (laughs) Own it. It's cool. That's you. Still makes you look nice, but stop, you know, stop just saying it's natural because then people are going to hurt themselves, especially if you're somebody that's a role model, look up to, got a lot of reach. You got to be extra careful with that kind of stuff. And workout tip, ladies, if you ain't got no junk back there, a thousand squats a day is not going to help it grow. Like it will maybe give it a better shape, but you are never going to go from like flat to badonkadonk, you know, from doing like a thousand squats. Yeah. But that is just not going to happen. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I would say like just from being uh, a guy, you know, and being around other guys, don't go. If it, the thigh, the thigh to booty ratio is a thing that people talk about, <laughs> like we talk about. And when this doesn't match up, it is not an attractive thing. You know what I mean? Like, like we're looking at it. You know, so when you're more natural, it's all going to be fitting. The ratio is going to be there. But when you go out and you, you know, weigh a hundred pounds and you got this big old booty and your thighs are super skinny it's a telltale sign. And that's something that you can't hide. Um, and that's if you look at yes. the Kardashians and all that kind of stuff, you see it clearly with them and they be trying to do all this lying. Like, no, you, you that's one of the things with these surgeries. There's some things that you can't hide. Um, and, they, and one thing somebody told me too, I think it was a documentary I was watching and was saying that a lot of these girls who get these type of surgeries, they have a lot of scars. So you'll see a lot of them with like all these like tattoos around their butt or their thighs and stuff like that to like hide up the scars. Yo, I never thought about that, but you yeah. do. A lot of them do the, you know, butt thigh mm-hmm, tattoo mm-hmm. Like Black China, Cardi B, all of them, you know what I'm saying? Like all the others too, there's a tons of them. Um, but they, they get this work done and they have scars and they just cover it up with all these tattoos, uh, which is something that they don't tell people. You know what I mean? Like... Mm, interesting. And it's a lot of them, especially because I think a lot of people can't actually afford like board certified plastic surgeons. And so there have been a lot of people that go to these hotel rooms, um, get injected and like people are injecting like, you know, commercial grade silicone 
in people's behinds, patching them up with uh, Gorilla Glue. Oh and and duct- yeah, there's a lady who she was put in jail because someone died from it. You know, she was released and then she went right back to it. And I think she has another case coming up. I can link an article, but it's kind of like nothing is worth your life like that. Not a booty girl. Do you know how many flat booty girls got men? Yeah. If yeah. that's what you're doing it for, like men, stuff. women, whoever you're looking for, I be trying to tell people there's somebody out there who will like whatever you got. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I guess it just all boils down to people just liking themselves, you know, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, that confidence in yourself. That's where it begins, everyone. So find out ways to figure out ways to like what you, what God gave you, or whoever you believe in gave you. Yeah. I don't know how we got to this topic. It was fun. Kardashians. Kardashians. It all goes back to them. Warm hope Kardashians. It always goes back to them. All right. Well, um, good convo as always. Uh, you know, we'll have one more week of this type of episodes, then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So thank you all for listening to us during the holiday break and the vacations and all that kind of stuff. I know you're eagerly looking forward to what we got in store next. And we got a lot of good, good interviews coming up for you all that I think will be really engaging and informative. And, you know, we had a good time doing them. So they are on the horizon. So continue to engage with us. If you haven't yet, follow us on social media at BHD Podcast is our social media handle. Visit our website to keep up with our latest content, www.blackandhollydangerous.com. Email us uh, if you have ideas, comments, questions, like to be a guest for one of our listener guest episodes. You can just email us at bhdpodcast at gmail.com. Um, Continue to review and rate us on iTunes. I've still seen that many of you have been doing that a little bit more. So I appreciate it. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. It really, really helps us a lot. And after you do that, be sure to make sure you share us on social media or mention us to to your friends and family. So share us with your friends, share us with your families, share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. <laughs>